we be doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Everybody, it's the Wrestling Life. This is episode 174. Thanks for checking us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. Ethan, there's a lot going on in the world. One might say that we have so much to talk about, and so much that we can't talk about. Where where do you even start in a week like this? I guess you want to start with the old fogies and John Cena's hair. Sure, and John Cena's hair. I guess we'll do just the, the broad strokes of the WWE Super Showdown show in Australia this past weekend. It, uh, it was a show, uh, and some stuff happened. <laughs> Not a lot of stuff happened, but some stuff happened. Not a lot of uh, noteworthy stuff, but uh, I guess big picture. Did you enjoy the show? Was it, was, it, was it worth sitting through? What the hell was up with John Cena's hair? Any of those questions jump out at you. Um, I think it's... I think I watched it the best way that you could watch a show like that in that I was playing out of the park baseball on my uh, PC and kind of had the show on in the background. Um, (laughs) And because of that, uh, I wasn't paying super close attention to the entire thing and it was perfectly fine background noise. And I thought the announcing was better than usual. Uh, And the wrestling for the most part was inoffensive. Yeah, that, that covers it. I thought there was uh, some decent wrestling. I watched it. Uh, I uh, I watched it with a friend. We drank beer. We sat there and we had a good time. And it was that's that's. Uh, I also I guess my my point is I also didn't put the heavy critical lens on this show. I wasn't I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't uh, you know. I didn't. I don't have any star ratings. Were uh, you were you drinking beer at five in the morning, or did you watch it later? Uh, later, we watched it in the afternoon. That is, I, that's I an important qualifying qualifying <laughs> statement. I but see. Yes, I, uh, I'm an insane person. I watched it live. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, I managed to remain mostly spoiler free. Uh, I had a few things ruined, but nothing that I really cared about. And thankfully, I didn't have that that main event. Uh, in case you haven't heard, everybody, it was Triple H and The Undertaker with uh, Shawn Michaels and his glued-on cowboy hat in oh. one corner and the fat-ass cane and wearing <laughs> spandex in the other corner Jeez. and his stupid wig. And, <laughs> and they had a match that if any other two people had, we would be talking about how it was the worst match of the year and it was an embarrassment, and how could this company let it go on, certainly let it go on in a main event spot, let alone at all. Uh, but nobody said that, because it's The Undertaker and Triple H, and they're still able to sort of do their big moves that people remember, and they smoke and mirrored the crap out of this. Um, I guess, what did you think of the main event? Did you think it was embarrassing or sad, or were you able to kind of just enjoy it? All right, well, you're... I did watch that match uh, intently. Um, AJ, AJ and Joe, too. I thought they had a good match. Agreed. Um, but first of all, I laughed my head off when Undertaker teased doing his big Undertaker dive. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> You're not going to do that. <laughs> you can't even do the old school spot anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, Hunter could barely do it, but yeah. Um, here's the thing with smoke and mirrors: if the smoke and mirrors are as old and immobile as <laughs> the wrestlers <laughs> that you're trying to uh, mask with the smoke and mirrors, it's kind of ineffective. Um, here, you know, I think we talked about last week how I think 
that I just think that the, the whole Shawn Michaels thing coming back is like I understand it, but that it's creatively bankrupt. Yes, and it's just it. One the reason that I don't like it. I mean, it's my, it's my probably my favorite wrestler um, ever, and Shawn, Shawn's probably my favorite wrestler ever, and to see him cosmetically he's in he's in great shape he moves well for a 50 some year old guy who has had um a life a lifetime <laughs> oh, 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 oh. except when he has to run oh, well sean has <laughs> been then he looks like a crap like a like someone like in a disney movie turned a crab into a person yeah and he well, just sort of like or like he's doing the hammer dance or something like i don't know <laughs> Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been able to run in twenty years, uh, but he. Uh, it's just sad to me watching him move around. Like, it's he moves in slow motion. Uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, he kind of walks like a crab. <laughs> <laughs> and I I thought his, I mean, he's why is he taking bumps? Like he's bumping, and because he's Shawn Michaels the audience will be forgiving. Well, I, I think generally the audience will be forgiving. I don't know that the audience that they'll be performing in front of uh, at Crown Jewel will care one way or the other. <laughs> um, right. Those shows are so weird and they exist in their own universe. And so sure, why the hell can't Shawn Michaels come back? But um, anyway, I thought that made event a super showdown. It was all right. Like I, I I thought Undertaker actually looked better than he has in his recent outings. Uh, I mean, be, they worked at a snail's pace, I think, which helped. And, it's an insult to snails, I think, but yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't know, man. The last I thought Triple H, He never looked old to me. I mean, cosmetically, he looks old. Um, but I thought that in the ring, he was great as recently as two years ago, uh, a, mm -hmm. a year and a half, a year ago, a year and a half ago. And then this year, actually, I thought he was good in the WrestleMania tag match, but that was a tag match. Um, I thought he looked old. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I think, and I don't need to add a ton to that, but I will say one little thing about this that bothered me was the announcing, and I know you mentioned that you thought it was mostly pretty good throughout the show, and I didn't notice a ton of like terrible gaffes or anything. Oh, but there... I, I, can, I can bring up a gaffe when you're done. But okay, ahead. well, we'll get to that in a moment, but part of that is the presentation where Michael this isn't being presented like there was a movie that came out uh, a little over a year ago called Logan. And it was Hugh Jackman's last time playing Wolverine. And they treated it that he, and they set it a little bit into the future and they set it up that he is a broken down old man who he's like an old gunslinger he's coming back for one thing. So the action scenes are a little slower and they're, and he's getting beat down a little bit more and he's bleeding more and all this stuff. Cause he's not who he was when we saw him in the first ever X-Men movie, right? That's That was part of the presentation of that movie, and it's because we have eyes, and we can see that Hugh Jackman's now 50-something years old. He doesn't look like he did 20 years ago, right? Does that make sense? Yes, I'm with you. Okay, so when The Undertaker, who is fat and old and bald, comes out, and Triple H, who is old and not fat, but it does not move as well as he once did, are out there working at a pace, a tortoise's pace, um, and Michael Cole and Corey Graves and Renee Young have to stand, have to sit there and talk about, oh my God, the Undertaker hasn't lost a step. He looks better than ever. Look at these and act like if they treated this as these are two old men who hate each other so much that they don't care how they look or how ugly it's going to get, they're going to have one last fight. That would be one thing, but it's presented as like, oh, it's going to be this epic encounter and it's going to be just like the old days, and it's not. And when the announcers are out there telling me that it is, it's incredibly insulting. 
Yeah, that ma- that makes sense. I mean, they they kind of had it both ways. They were the if you just saw the commercials or something, I think that you would get, oh, it is just two old guys. You know, they're going at it one last time. But to your point, yeah, it it the announcers don't sell it that way because they get this thing where you know we can't say that these guys are old and broken down even even though they're old and broken down because who wants to pay to see you old and broken down guys right and i and i get that but there's a way to do that and i mean the way think of the way like new japan portrays minoru suzuki they aren't pretending that he can go out we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago but they're not out there pretending that suzuki can can work you know omega's pace like he's gonna go out there and have a 45 minute uh you know seven star classic like he part of his character is that he's old and he's mean and he he hurts people and he's you know he he that's his he's a bully he's an old bully now because he's not because he can't work the way that these young guys work so it's like you can incorporate some of that into that just like don't insult my and i again you don't have to straight up go these guys are old and they're going to be dead soon but you can there's a way to present this and not insult my intelligence. And they chose to do something else. Absolutely. Now you mentioned you had an announcer gaffe uh, before we get, get onto raw and some of the other stuff. What was, uh, what was the big announcer gaffe you had? Sure. Well, so, so this can tie into discussing raw. I mean, they did the big angle with the Bellas turning on Ronda Rousey. Uh, on Raw, I mean, if you miss Super Showdown, they just did the same show on Raw on Monday. <laughs> uh, they did the same matches. I actually really enjoyed Raw, but um, so the I don't know if you noticed, but in the tag match at Super Showdown, they were Nikki and Ronda who were facing each other at the Evolution show. They were arguing, or like Nikki was insisting on on starting the match off and Ronda was like no I, I should really start and then Nikki's like no I'm gonna start and then Nikki would not tag Ronda throughout the match she would only tag her sister yes so did you notice that I didn't I okay until it was pointed out to me later on uh, a review show or a article I read all right so people notice this the announcers didn't notice this. <laughs> it's like, this is the big, I mean, it's kind of weird because they weren't doing the turn until a couple days later, but I noticed that this was happening and I was only half-ass paying attention. <laughs> like, what are the announcers doing? Like, if you're not telling, you know, you're all about making movies and telling stories, they were telling the story and no one picked up on it. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's a pretty big indictment. And like, I, that's Cole's job, right? Cole's job is to call the action. He should be the one pointing it out. Well, it's his job to go sit in the production meeting before the show where they tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, is, this is what we're getting across here. This is where we're going. This is, this, this is going to happen in this match. Look out for this. You know, I don't know if all the announcers go to the production meetings. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I know, Cole, like, I know, I remember hearing Lawler talk about how he didn't, which he always tried to frame as like, well, I'd just like to be surprised. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're just lazy. Right. Like, you don't want to work. That was, that was always what I got out of it. But my impression was that Cole went, because I know there's, there was some story I remember, or some, someone put up a clip of something from the Attitude Era where Cole was reacting to something before it happens on a Raw. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I would assume Cole has some sort of format or has been told beforehand for, uh, you know, the big the big moments. But I don't know. I guess everybody was kind of asleep at the wheel there. Yeah. So that's, to, I mean, other than that, I thought the announcing was pretty good. I mean, given the constraints. And I thought the announcing <laughs> on, on Raw, actually, I don't know if there, there's a conscious move that they've made to prevent, to present the product in a more i don't know if serious is the right way to go um but they talk about they use the word competition a lot um they don't 
have rankings, but they are implying rankings. Graves has been using comments about how winners get paid more than losers. It's like it's a little bit more of a more old school presentation from the announcers, and I appreciate that. It it also helps that Cole and Graves aren't constantly trying to get their third announce partner to mess up so they can make fun of him. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, they actually, you know, Cole's actually setting Renee up and, and yeah. Graves and Renee have their lines that they throw back and forth at each other. And, you know, I think Cole can, you know, can't help himself sometimes and still is kind of a, uh, a jerk <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> cutting people off or if they're, going into business for themselves or trying to tell a story that they that is not the story that he knows they're going that they're trying to tell he'll say he'll make them sound stupid um he would be a michael cole would be a horrible improv partner <laughs> but uh <laughs> anyway i think that largely yeah that team is the team is is good and getting better that's that's uh, it's not something we've been able to say about WWE announcing at least on the main roster in a very very long time. So that's that's a little silver lining that we like to you know we like to find a few of those on oh, our yeah. show each week. But uh, speaking of Raw, you mentioned the the big turn uh, with the Bellas on Ronda, where they just did the exact same thing that Taker and Kane did to Sean and Hunter, like to the exact same way where they went like they posed to each side of the ring before they did it. Like it was the exact same thing. Like I don't know if it was the same agent put that together or what, or if they're just like creatively lazy. But I I was amused by that. But other things on Raw, uh, like an actual angle happened where Baron Corbin was in like a a battle royal with a bunch of like local jobbers, and then uh. <laughs> One of the uh, Los Conquistadores uh, returned and threw him out and did a bunch of German suplexes in an angle slam and then unmasked as Kurt Angle, which, one, allowed Kurt Angle to qualify for the uh, the big tournament in uh, Crown Jewel, and B, also sets up uh, the whatever they're going to do probably at Survivor Series with Corbin and Angle. So it was like an angle that had a point and we'll set up a match in the future. And I just, I haven't seen one of those in so long that I was like, I was gobsmacked. I didn't think that deeply about it until you pointed that out. Uh, I just thought it was fun. <laughs> I thought it was good and fun. <laughs> one of the wrestlers was named the Chilean, the Chilean sea bass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just tremendous. Yeah, that was pretty great. But it was a, it was a really fun segment. Kurt looked good. I mean, not Kurt, in the spandex. He didn't look good, but Kurt the way was he was moving. He was dancing. He did a he did a front forward roll. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the it's the most. It felt like the most like Kurt Angle, like comedy Kurt Angle of old that we've seen. Instead of you know, vacant stare. <laughs> vaguely depressing Kurt that we've seen for the last uh, you know two years or whatever on Raw. Oh, that was the best thing he's done since he's been back. Agreed. You know, know, a lot of people love the Hall of Fame speech. I hated the Hall of Fame speech. Although, as it was pointed out at the time, it was probably better than Kurt doing a real speech talking about all of his problems. But, (laughs) but uh, I just, I love that. I I loved Raw. Yeah, it was it was a pretty fun show. Had a, a really uh, really really strong main event. Shield uh, again a rematch of Super Showdown, as you mentioned. They basically redid a bunch of stuff, but unlike on uh, the Super Showdown show where uh, Roman Reigns saved Dean Ambrose from certain death, and then Dean got to Pete uh, got 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 to get a big win on uh, Raw. Uh, Drew McIntyre pinned Dean Ambrose with the Claymore kick to I guess further set up some some dissension in the, in the shield and a Dean feeling like a second class citizen. Cause he doesn't have a big shiny belt like his other two buddies have. So uh, they're setting, I guess that Dolph is the weak link of the heel team and Dean is the weak link of the baby face team. 
And I, I don't know. There's some intrigue there still, which we talked about the last couple of weeks. It's like, man, they're they're kind of they're kind of telling a few stories. They are, and it, and it seems to me that they've already decided that they're turning Strowman back uh, because Bobby Lashley is is kind of a heel now um, with Leo Rush as his guy, and I could see. As kind of a placeholder for the next couple of months, I could see more of uh, I could see Lashley wrestling for the title, and until they do the Dean's big turn, um, I could I could see that happening. And I think Strowman is going to go back to being a face and like throwing tractor trailers around and stuff. <laughs> You'll get the I don't know. Dolphin Drew can lose the tag titles, and then. Braun can just make Dolph's life miserable for like six months like they did with him and Owens. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. I'm all for that idea for the record. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely get that feeling. But again, it's just cool. As you mentioned, did it feel like a? I heard people or I read, I, I did not see the Owens uh, uh, Bob Lashley segment live. I watched it later on YouTube form, but I heard, I saw people saying double turn. And I guess because at the end of the segment, they were trying to make you feel bad for Kevin Owens because Bobby just kept, uh, just kept beating on him. That I guess could be true, but do you like, I just don't see Kevin Owens being a baby face in a Vince McMahon territory. Well, I think Owens is getting some time off for knee surgery. So I think they were more like, well, he's going to get cheered in Chicago so let's just go ahead and do this this way. And I think Lashley posting his knee a bunch of times was more to write him off for a while. Uh, I don't know how serious the knee surgery is. If it's like something arthros- arthroscopic, you know, he could be back in a month. Right. Um, I-, I didn't necessarily get double turn. I mean, Owens was definitely uh, the fan favorite in that match, but I just... I took it more as Lashley's turning heel than than a double turn. Can you just turn heel by beating up another heel, though? Like, has that ever happened before? No, I. It's. I, I don't think it was like supposed to be an official turn for Owens. It was just, oh, he was babyface for a night because the way the crowd was reacting to him makes that's, sense. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, you don't. I mean, if Owens is taking time off, if they do decide to turn him and or uh, I assume uh, I don't I don't know when uh, when Sammy Wow Wow is coming back, but you are I mean now Bob Lashley has injured both of those guys, so whichever one comes back first, theoretically has a, if they decide to go a babyface route with one or both of them, they have that storyline right there for them. That makes sense. Honestly, my favorite part of the Lashley-Owens match was when Lashley uh, lifted Owens for... I thought, oh man, is he going to do a brain buster? Because I've been watching way too much New Japan. (laughs) Oh, is he going to do a brain buster? And then, no, he just did a vertical suplex. And as he's used that as a finisher. So he, he hit a vertical suplex covered Owens, Owens kicked out at two, and Lashley sold it as if he was gobsmacked that he didn't <laughs> he didn't beat this man with a vertical suplex. Pro wrestling has changed. It was so absurd. It's yeah that's that's pretty silly. I, I do remember Bob uh, Bob beating some guys with that with that suplex earlier in the year. So, hey I mean I guess if you any move can be a finisher if you protect it enough I guess but yeah that's that seems a little bit like trying to get toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to try to be put, making a suplex a finish. Well, moving on, we had uh, any other highlights from Raw stand out to you? Oh, yeah, there's uh, some lady named Trish Stratus came back in, uh, in, yeah. in a segment. And her uh, she came face-to-face with Alexa and Alexa's Aunt Mickey. And, um, and then Lita showed up, and they announced what had been advertised as two separate singles matches: uh, Mickey versus Lita and Trish versus Alexa is now a tag team match. Uh, Dave Meltzer said that I guess this was always the plan, and they just 
basically f- false advertised <laughs> Trish versus Alexa for the sake of selling tickets, which I mean, I guess you're still getting Trish versus Alexa in a way, but uh, weird story. But I mean, my, my instinct was, oh, maybe they don't think that Trish and Lita can do singles matches or maybe Alexa's more beat up than they want to let on. I don't know. I I I mean, I I don't have any reason to doubt because I they do do weird stuff where they announce stuff and then just change their minds. So it wouldn't shock me if they just had a plan and changed it, or if they just said, "Hey, let's just announce this match and then we'll change it later." I don't know. It's all a big. Uh, it's all a big uh, menagerie of weirdness. But back to the segment. Uh, Trish came out cut a promo, got interrupted by Alexa and her aunt who's going through some stuff. And then Lita came out and did a moonsault. What did you think of this segment, Ethan? Lita didn't do a moonsault. Lita teased a moonsault and then Alexa pulled, or Mickey pulled Alexa out of the ring. Uh, Because if you want to see the moonsault, um, you got to buy the pay-per-view or buy the network. But I love that segment. I thought it was like, Trish can... I've seen Trish stutter and stumble over her words on promos, and it is kind of jarring that someone who's been on television for 20 years could still get nervous, but uh, I've seen that happen to Trish before, and I thought that was maybe like the best promo she's ever cut. Um, and I know that logically it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why Lita would be there if the heel supposedly sprung this idea to have a tag match on Trish. Why would Lita fly to Chicago? Um, <laughs> doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But um, as far as logic holes in WWE go, uh, that's pretty low on uh, my list of complaints. And I thought the segment was everything that it should have been. They didn't give you too much. They made you want to see the match. And um, the crowd reacted to everybody in a, in a... Well, I don't know if they reacted to Mickey in a big way. But they, they loved Trish and Alexa and Lita. So uh, good times. And as you know, uh, I, I really like Trish and Lita. Yeah, I thought it sucked. Uh, <laughs> I thought Trish's promo was bad. And I didn't want to see the match when it was over. But it was cool that Lita came out. That's what I thought. <laughs> Old Amy third place. Old Amy third place came out to make the save. You're, as you've mentioned, your uh, third or perhaps fourth on your, on your top four favorite wrestlers. As you told her personally <laughs> that she was not your favorite wrestler that one time. Uh, your, your third favorite wrestler, uh, Lita, came out to make the save. And that was a nice little moment. But... I don't know, man. I, I didn't. I, I didn't think Trish was very good, and then I thought Alexa coming out and saying that Trish sucked was kind of weird. And I know it was just like a heel line, but I don't know. It just it didn't do a lot for me. But okay, it's... so hang on. That all I don't know there means that you think that Trish did suck. Yeah, a Trish, bit. Trish did not suck. <laughs> I mean. Okay, you're grading on a curve, though. You realize that, right? I'm not grading on a curve. When she retired, Sean was the only guy in the company better than her. I think you're insane. <laughs> I think you're insane, and you really like Trish Stratus, and so you... Trish was really good by the time she retired. I'm not saying she wasn't good. I'm just saying that maybe she was the only thing resembling a good worker in the women's division at that time. They had a lot of women that could work at that time. They had Mickey, they had Lita, they had Jazz, they had Gail Jazz was not there in 2006, was they she? Had, I'm talking about that stretch. They had Gail Kim, they had Molly Holly, they had a bunch of people that could work. Okay, dude. I'm just I think you're I think you're wrong. It's it look, it's a it's a subjective art form. But no, I don't think Tristratus was the second best worker in the company in two thousand and five. Um Moving on. <laughs> Anything else from Raw that's worth touching on? I like Finn Balor and Bailey as a duo. The mi- the mix match stuff is, is is great. Like it's all comedy. I don't care. That's great. There's a lot of dance offs. Tremendous. They're all fun. 
uh, uh, Jimmy Jim Uso and and Rusev did the too cool dance last week. It was amazing. great. I'll I'll never see it, but amazing. AJ Styles did a spin a Rooney. Like it was, it was a lot of a lot of wacky stuff has happened lately on that show. But that's that's all a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's about about all we got to cover from Raw. We're going to SmackDown, a show I did not see, but I did see one thing that really stood out to me. Um, so they did a Miz TV segment plugging the AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan title match at WWE Crown Jewel. And during the course of the segment, they were both making fun of the Miz because he lost to Daniel Bryan in a minute or whatever. And Miz throws out some line about AJ Styles. If you want to know why the WWE Championship is never on last on pay-per-views, just go look in the mirror. And I'm sure it got a little, I'm sure the crowd went, ooh, when he said it. But I hated that line. And it's not because I'm a giant AJ Styles fan. It's not because I don't like The Miz. It's because it's worked shoot BS, which is my least favorite thing. And, like, in the context of the fictional world of WWE, AJ Styles has beaten every challenger he has faced for a year straight. Like, what could he be doing different? Um, he's not booked super strongly. <laughs> I mean, there's always some kind of screw job. Okay, well, isn't that, like, the general manager's fault for booking him in, like, weird stipulations and or not booking him in stipulation matches after double countouts and stuff? I, I suppose. Like, is, like, is it AJ's fault that Nakamura hated his testicles so much? I don't know what AJ's testicles have done to Nakamura. You don't know what they might have said to him? I don't have the same level of vitriol you have for this just because I want to enjoy. <laughs> but who is this? Hel- who, who does it help? Because let's say there's some magical world where the Miz wins the WWE Championship next month. Ugh. Okay? Uh, Miz beat the lame duck B-show champion. And if AJ beats the Miz in a match or beats Daniel Bryan or beats anybody, the lame duck B-show champion beat all the other top guys on the show, which means the entire show is a lame duck B-show. So who does this help to have stupid little snarky lines like that? Other than the fact that the guy who's writing the show was a big star in the Attitude Era where he just did dumb bull stuff like this all the time for no reason and that's just all all we know how to do is how to book like it's 1999 now. I think there are a lot of things from the Attitude Era that have been going on for 20 years that suck. <laughs> that, that That's one of them. I just don't have the energy to get worked up about it today. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Uh, speaking of, uh, as we're rolling towards a conclusion here, speaking of some Attitude Era booking and stuff from the past that maybe shouldn't be in wrestling anymore, there was a New Japan show this past Sunday. Yeah. And you covered it for the Wrestling Observer site. And yeah. Uh, how, many, how many run-ins were on this show? Or post-match beatdowns or pre-match beatdowns? Here's the th- here's the thing. All right, there are well, there are a few things. First of all, they, they don't they don't do they don't really do promos. Um, you have to kind of watch the post show press conference to where they or they do press conferences where they announce matches. So you know any angles or anything kind of have to take place in the body of the show because you know, they don't have a weekly television show. Uh, I mean they do, but anyway, (laughs) they, they don't use it that way. They don't, right. They don't do a show that's mostly skits and angles. So the angles all take place in the, in the meat of the show. That's fine. They have on the last couple of shows done, uh, very, (laughs) First of all, the whole Bullet Club OGs 
slash firing squad or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> There's a Bullet Club OGs that feature uh, a guy who just joined the group like three weeks ago. And yes, <laughs> and uh, no, they, have, they have another new guy who just joined. Right. Um, it's really, first of all, if it, it, it's very, it's very NWO Wolfpack, first of all. And secondly, they've now done two straight big shows where they have had, I guess, the, the last Destruction show in September and now the this show, the uh, King of Pro Wrestling show um, this past weekend. They have done very... They've done actual like WCW angles <laughs> <laughs> um, with Okada's manager turning on him last month. And then with the uh, Bullet Club guys uh, turning on o- Okada and having Jay White join, and it's they acted like they were inviting Okada to join the Bullet Club, right? And, and, and then, then turned on him. Down, right? It was a swerve, right? It was a swerve, and it was like all that was missing was an NWO T-shirt. Yeah, um, I I don't. They do these things relatively infrequently, but it's now two straight shows where it's happened. And I don't read or listen to everything, but I don't hear or read a lot of people like raising their hand and saying, uh, this is a worrisome trend (laughs) Um, uh, that um, you probably shouldn't copy WCW a whole lot. And these last <laughs> these last two shows have featured angles that were very WCW. That's all. I mean, there's a lot of good wrestling on the show. Um, oh, agreed. I thought like, and I will say there's a little difference here because, as I mentioned, as we've mentioned on the show, you it's part of your job. You know, you write you write about these shows. I or many fans, probably anybody who listens to this, probably doesn't watch every single New Japan show. They watch the big ones, like I like I do. Right. And you get to skip over some of the tags. So you don't see, or maybe you see some of the, you know, if there is a big angle, you'll see the clip on Twitter or you'll see GIFs or whatever. And you can just read about it and maybe it doesn't look that egregious as compared to you who, you know, have A, watch it through a more critical lens and B, are watching it, watching basically every single show because it's part of your job is even if you're not reporting for it, you need to stay informed. So I can see why you maybe and people and other people who review these shows a little closer probably have a better grasp on this than I do. Because I watched it and thought, that was a pretty fun show. And and as you mentioned, there's a lot of really good wrestling on it. And uh, and then, but I did, I did notice that, that they had the, they had the, the Okada, Tanahashi, Jay White, NWO uh, angle. And then you know, there's also you know the you've got the the warring factions on the undercard, and then you have you you have the the new member of Los Ingobernables debut, and you had Jericho show up and and attack Evil, and then I guess to, so that Zack Saber Jr. didn't look like a total geek, he got some of his heat back by beating up refs and Young Lions, which good to see he's learning from uh, Minoru Suzuki, by the way. How to how to hey, take out your frustrations? Hey, did you know that sometimes Suzuki Gun jumps their opponents right before the bell? Yeah, that's happened once or twice. They don't adhere to the code of honor. They don't play by the rules. Are you saying they're, they're loose cannons? One might say. Indeed, they might. They may even play by their own rules. By the way, uh, the idea that Evil was going to have a singles match third from the top on this show was just a flashing neon sign to me. Telling me that Chris Jericho was going to be there. <laughs> that's that's probably very fair. Like, where? I guess this is all just to get heat for Naito to get the belt back at Wrestle Kingdom. I suppose. I I don't kind of makes Evil look like a big old geek though, right? Because like he's not even going to get the match probably, or if like I don't know, like there's no other big shows between now and Wrestle Kingdom, correct? The, um... Unless one of the Junior Tag League shows also has a. Like I don't know, do the finals of that have a big match on it? I mean, they help. You know, they have an undercard, um, but I I don't. 
And like, I, because Jericho, Jericho's probably not going to wrestle evil on the undercard of the junior tag league. I, I don't know. Like, I think he's going to wrestle evil at some point though. Like, and it's gotta be in the next, you know, three months here. Um, you would think. Yeah. It, to me, like, I mean, I actually like evil. I think he's pretty good. I got no problems with evil. I like him as a, I think I like him a little more. I like Sonata of that duo. I think most people are going to probably point out that Sonata is the more spectacular of the two, but he was a solid guy. Well, that was my, that's my point though, is that if I were Jericho, it's like, I'd ask to work with Sonata, not with evil. <laughs> like if that's worth it's that, if that's what they're doing and where they're going, then I would want to work with Sonata. But what do I know? Yeah, that's fair. Although, I mean, maybe maybe he thinks that Evil lends himself better to the sort of brawl crazy style versus where Sonata does the super athletic style that Jericho can't really do no more. Well, that's true, but I mean, Sonata can do anything. That's true. Like, He's great. That guy's fantastic. But to your point, yeah, that probably fits Evil's character better. Um, well, uh, that's that's fair. So I guess we, we kind of have a semblance of a Wrestle Kingdom card now with... You're going to get Okada and Jay White. You're getting Tanahashi and Omega. Jericho and Naito, let's say. And then, I don't know, I guess a bunch of Bullet Club versus Bullet Club matches on the undercard and whatever they do with, like, Cody and Ibushi. Yeah, I mean, Cody and Ibushi wrestled last year. I don't know if they're going to wrestle again. Um, well, it's like, I mean, they are, like, I don't know. They could do, like, them against... Suzuki and Saber or something like yeah that makes sense that makes sense um I didn't love the main event of the King of Pro Wrestling show like I, it was it was a bunch of moves that's <laughs> it, was, fair. it was just like I'm that's in, kind of why I liked it but I I'm I in, understand what you mean I'm in awe of how intricately it must have been laid out just because of the sheer volume of moves that they did yeah <laughs> Um, and everybody's like, oh, what great storytelling, what great storytelling. Well, if you know, it wasn't, it wasn't. Like, the story was there with Omega and Ibushi and, to a lesser degree, Cody. You know, these guys are all friends, and they don't really want to be fighting each other. And, you know, if they break up, break up each other's pinfalls, they're going to apologize for it. I thought that was all very secondary to the moves. I thought it was just move, 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 move. Um, There's a fair amount of it that was one guy it's just is almost voluntarily gets out of the ring so that the other two can do do some spots. Oh, well, I mean that's kind of three ways though, you know. Like, yeah, but like it wasn't like oh Cody gets hit with a V trigger and rolls out and then just be like he take like a suplex or something or. And then yeah. he just sort of walk to the floor or roll to the floor and kind of just walk around for a minute. Yeah, um, I know. He, I know he's working hurt. O- Omega's working hurt. Yeah. Um, I kind of am a little bit tired of pretending that Kenny Omega is a wrestling genius. Ooh. <laughs> um, I mean, he's working with incredible people, sure. and athletically, there's a lot that he does that not a lot of the people in the world can do, but I don't know if it comes to telling a story. If he's one of the five best guys in that company. That's, I will say, um, the three matches that everyone will talk about forever all happen to also feature Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying obviously from an, again, Nobody's knocking him, his hustle or his ability to lay out cool moves or cool spots. But I think there's something, there's something to that. I mean, even, even the Jericho match, you could tell there's a lot of Jericho in that, in the way that the last year's Wrestle Kingdom match was set up with Kenny and Jericho. Like, um, and it seems like it depends on who his opponent, and maybe it depends on who the opponent is and how willing they are to listen. And maybe there's somebody that can kind of tone down or figure out a way if you're like, oh, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. And if it's somebody like Okada, they can go, okay, well, I'll fit. we can fit this into the story of the match this way. So it flows a little better than, as you mentioned, just move, 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 move. 
it reminded me a little bit of remember this is the, that three-way that Cena and DX had like probably 10 years ago now. It was mostly built up by comedy. Survivor then, Series 2009, yes. Correct. Uh, I think we actually reviewed it on one of our Thanksgiving Spectaculars one year. But uh, that, the, that, it did kind of remind me of that because like, that's the whole story of the match is, oh, these, these two friends. In that case, it was just two friends and Cena, I guess. But there's a lot of that same stuff. Like Sean kicks Hunter like a second into the match. And then they just do a bunch of spots. And then Hunter comes back eventually and he like puts Sean through a table and then he and Cena do a bunch of spots and then they do some three-way spots and then the match is over. So it's like, there's little nuggets of storytelling in there, but then in between, it's just a lot of spots and moves and, and kickouts and stuff, which again, it's pretty, I mean, it was all executed very well. I thought Cody really held his own as far as that side of things goes. He's certainly not known as a work rate guy the way that Abushi or, or Kenny is. And I thought, like, he's not spectacular, but he's always in the right place, and he never looks, like, gassed or... Yeah. Like, he knows he knows where to go and, like, where to be. And we talked about that with somebody like Skrull or somebody like that who's just, like, a really good... Who can be, like, a really good base for guys. I think Cody's one of those guys, too. I don't think he's at the, the level. Like, I think Skrull's probably one of the best wrestlers in the world and i don't know if everybody realizes that or not but i think cody's like he's like a level below that but he's he's real good like he's real good he knows what he knows he you know, he's never out of place he never looks he never looks embarrassing or like you know like he doesn't belong there i would say yeah well while we're pointing out guys there uh kushida who worked with scroll on, on that show mm-hmm. all kushida matches I have the same um, thought process. The first five or ten minutes, I'm like, man, Kashida can do all this stuff. Why isn't he doing anything? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they sit there and holds, and they don't really do anything. And then, like, the last five minutes of Kashida matches are, like, the best last five minutes of, <laughs> of any matches in wrestling. <laughs> like, yeah. He's a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, he's really good at closing sequences, uh, but the first like ten minutes of his matches, I'm just like, what? What are you guys doing? <laughs> like, a lot of squeezing in those opening moments. <laughs> squeezing, yes. I look forward to a lot of that at Crown Jewel, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, I guess I guess we're we're kind of wrapping up here. Do, it's is it worth talking about how? Uh, Saudi Arabia had a journalist killed this week Ugh. and how I just, I just think for the record, it needs to be stated and it's been stated by other people, but to be clear again, it would be a little scummy and kind of gross. If WWE was just taking money from them to put on a show, they're doing propaganda for this country that murders journalists and executes gay people and all this stuff. And they're also doing it five days after their women's empowerment pay-per-view. That's the thing. They want to have their cake and eat it too. And so I get it. I'm not saying, you're oh, you're a terrible person if you watch this show. Everybody has their own line of moral decency when it comes to professional wrestling that you have to figure out for yourself. But just, just be aware of what this is. It's not just they got paid some money to put on a show. They're being paid money to put on a show and run propaganda for a country that is a very has a lot of very bad people in charge of it that kill a lot of people die as a result of the actions that this country takes. So I just you just don't don't pretend it's not what it is. That's all I ask. I'm not telling you boycott the show or cancel the network. That's not my place to tell anybody to do that. But just be aware of what this is. That's all I ask. Did you notice uh, or read the note in the Observer a week or two ago that Chris Jericho was reportedly paid a hundred thousand dollars for being in the Battle Royal at the last Saudi show? I didn't, but a hundred thousand dollars. He was for... in there for like two minutes. He was number fifty or <laughs> out of he fifty was the last guy out. He, I think he did like two spots. Like he wasn't in it very long at all. No, I don't. I'm not saying everyone got a hundred thousand dollars for it, but if you're 
that's just like, and you know, that's not the most generous company when it comes to payoffs. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that explains, you know, Rey Mysterio probably going to be on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray's on- back full time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> According to WWE, it's full time and they're doing, I guess that can be our last little news note spitting out of there. Uh, uh, Smackdown 1000 coming up next week and uh, they're doing Ray versus Nakamura for a spot in this, uh, this big tournament, the, the WWE world cup that features so far only people from the United States. Tremendous. Yeah. I, I imagine that, uh, I mean, that's going to be a fun match, but I imagine yeah. that <laughs> I imagine that Ray will beat Nakamura and Ray is also raised from San Diego. Yes, correct. But well, I mean, I guess they can, they can pretend with him at least. Um, yeah, that'll be a fun match. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it on this show a couple weeks ago, but they gave Nakamura that belt so that when people complain to Road Dog on Twitter about how they haven't done anything with Shinsuke Nakamura in, like, five months, he can go, what are you talking about? He's the United States championship champion. You, don't, you just don't understand the business. He's a big star. He's the champ, for God's sake. How can you say we're not doing anything with him? So Road Dog's Twitter has replaced that show on WWE Network where JBL yelled at fans. Yes, where JBL and Corey Graves yelled at fans for not being happy enough. And where the fans represented, the hardcore fans represented Peter effing Rosenberg. Alright, can we go? Yeah, let's let's wrap it up here. Uh, Until next week, I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. I saw Venom uh, last night. Ah, uh, okay. It was, Let go. It was terrible. <laughs> I only paid six dollars for the ticket. I feel like I need to say up up front. <laughs> and it was, to its credit, the funny kind of bad. All right, which is well, much more enjoyable to me. But it was funny in ways like Tom Hardy plays Venom slash Eddie Brock in it, mm-hmm. and. He, I guess it takes place in San Francisco, but I think he's still technically supposed to be from New York in here. So Tom Hardy decided to basically do what I think amounts to like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. <laughs> so he just talks like, he's talking like this for like the whole movie. He just talks like every line is like this. And it's like, so he decided he was going to do that voice. And not a single director, producer, other actor, cameraman, <laughs> stagehand, nobody came up to him and was like, dude, you can't, you can't do that voice for an entire movie. You sound silly. <laughs> so he just talks like that. And like Venom is actually in the movie for about, mm, I'd say, 11 minutes. 
Ugh. of the nearly two hours. I mean, you hear his voice more. Uh, like they do a lot of like they they do, which is actually where the only like the genuine comedy actually comes out because they do like this wacky buddy cop thing with with the voice in his head of the of the black suit and uh, and him like arguing back and forth. It's like the only actual good jokes in the movie come out of that. But everything else is just Tom Hardy mumbling in his weird New York accent through a movie that has like a fair amount of actors I knew. Like Jenny, uh, the she's on SNL. Jenny Slate, I think is her name. Yes. And uh, one of the dudes from Veep is in it. And uh, Michelle Williams. And like, th- like they had a, like decent actors. <laughs> and then they just put this together and it was bad and then it was also it was it was PG-13 so right. like Venom's a character that's supposed to be like cutting people's heads off and eating people right. and that that all has to happen like off screen and there can't be any blood so like you don't even get like decent action like all of the action scenes are really toothless so I was like at least it had the the unintentional comedy of it not being a great movie because if it was because if they didn't have that, it would have just been like awful. Instead, it was just kind of funny. So uh, it's been uh, a long time since I've thought about Venom. I didn't remember that until you said that the suit is a living thing. Right. Um, did he talk in the Marlon Brando voice as Venom? No. Then there's like he's doing it's still Tom Hardy doing the Venom voice, I think. But they put it through like a bunch of like like deepening and reverb, so he just talks in like a generic spooky monster voice. Oh boy! And it's just them talking back and forth to each other throughout. It's also like forty-five minutes in before he gets the symbiote into him. So there's a lot of like like there's this whole and there's like subplots where like he's like a crusading reporter who's trying to take down this corporate. like Elon Musk type and um, and then like he's his career is ruined which makes his his fiance break up with him and then just suddenly like smash cuts to six months later and he's like a loser living in a one-bedroom apartment and like doesn't have a job and he's all sad and Uh then There's like, you know, evil experiments are happening at the guy's corporation and that's where the symbiotes come from. And the 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 main villain is evil corporate man. And he, his thing is that he, he realizes that the earth isn't going to be sustainable. And so he wants to bond with the, with the symbiote so he can go live on their planet and, and I guess repopulate there. So then they have a big CGI monster fight at the end and then they set up for a sequel with uh <laughs> with Woody Harrelson playing Carnage. Oh good lord. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, you've op- you've opened several cans of worms that I would like to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> First, uh you said the, the symbiote came from an experiment in a lab. In... Well, they got samples of it from an asteroid in space. Right. Okay. And then so... and then brought it to the lab. Right. Cuz I remember it coming from space. So that that answers that question. Uh, second, the thing about uh, Tom Hardy being in the thing. Uh, by the way, sidebar is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's English, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, so you brought up the thing where Venom is actually in the movie for eleven minutes, and so it's really just like Tom Hardy walking around. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Well, many things drive me insane. I haven't seen a Marvel movie since Iron Man two, so. I'm really not qualified to comment on this, but sure, sure. The thing about about the Iron Man movies is that you know movie stars have egos, and their agents have egos, and their agents get paid. <laughs> uh, and so, and so, you know, Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to be in a you know in a CG doesn't want to just be a CGI character. You have to show Robert Downey Jr.'s face inside the Iron Man suit yes. for. And, you know, everybody's running around without their masks on because uh, oh, that stuff drives me insane. <laughs> like, yeah. I know, that's how, I know that's how it has to be, but it drives me insane. Thirdly, 
Uh, you brought up uh, Michelle Williams, who I greatly respect as an actress, and um, the thing where she keeps her hair short because of Heath Ledger it breaks my heart into a million pieces. Oh, I don't know that story. Oh yeah, so she has she uh, I get you know she and Heath Ledger were together and had a daughter together. Right. Um, they were not together at the time that he passed away. Um, but apparently he is like the only person that liked her with short hair. Um, huh. and so kind of like as a tribute to him, she, for the most part has kept her hair short, uh, since he died. Interesting. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's, it shatters my soul into a million pieces. <laughs> uh, I think that's, I think that's it. You want to talk about Woody Harrelson playing carnage? Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, th- yeah, that's the other thing. That, <laughs> that, the other can of worms. So, like, I know every uh, and, and you know, to, to Michelle Williams' inclusion in this movie and Woody Harrelson. It's like I understand everybody wants to cash in, and if you want to be in movies now, you kind of have to do superhero movies because that's pretty much all that gets made. Sure, <laughs> but, franchise but, movies of various kinds. Yes, right, but. Good lord. I mean, Michelle Williams is like a real actress. And, you know, not that these aren't, you know, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't see the, again, I haven't seen any of these movies in 10 years. I'm really not qualified to comment. But I, I don't see them as real movies. <laughs> you know what okay. I mean? Like, they're their own standalone thing. Like, it's a genre. But why are real actors in them? They make a lot of money. Like, <laughs> In fact, I think that was an interview Michelle Williams gave this week. They asked her why she took the role, and she's like, well, it sounded interesting, and also it paid very well. Like, well, that's honesty. Yeah. God said it all I try to keep on keeping on.